Welcome to the Mini Crisis, brought to you by the Tales of Crisis podcast. Welcome to episode 7 of the Tales of Crisis podcast, with me, your host, Martin Swaffield. In tonight's episode, we're going to be joined by Aaron Clear as we talk about how he prepares for tournaments, his love of web warriors, and his new website. Aaron is currently taking the UK tournament scene by storm, having won all the games he's played so far in the tournaments that he's turned up to and currently top the world rankings on Longshanks. Admittedly, we're still in its infancy, but it's an impressive stat nonetheless. So check out the interview with some very interesting thoughts from Aaron on how he plays World Warriors and how he prepares for tournaments. Next week, we'll be doing an episode to cover the reveals from Mini Extravaganza, Already there's been some fantastic reveals with some more to come and we're going to take time to digest those and we'll put out an episode next week to cover that. With all these new models coming out, if you are looking for anything that your local hobby store doesn't have, check out Blackgate Games at blackgategames.co.uk for a range of Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures and terrain at discount prices. And now to the interview. I hope you all enjoy. As mentioned, I'm joined tonight by Aaron Collier, um, and we're going to talk about a number of bits and pieces. Um, he is currently number one in the world ranking for MCP, uh, according to Longshanks. Still in its early days, I know, but um, he's the only person I can see that's played more than 10 games on there, at least, and is still undefeated. So uh, he's got a, a number of badges after his name, if you if you look on there. So that that's good news. Um, so welcome, Aaron. How are you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm not too bad at all, to be honest, yourself. Ah, not too bad. Good to be talking MCP again. Yeah, it's always great to be talking Marvel. <laughs> yeah, can't get enough of it. Yeah. So tonight we're going to cover um, how you prepare for tournaments, construct a roster. We're going to talk a bit about your favourite uh, affiliation, Web Warriors. And then yeah. we're going to talk about your, your website that you're running. But before we get into any of that... How how did you get into this game? Do you have a, a long history in wargaming, or, or is this your first uh, chance to delve into it? So um, I've been playing war games since I was about ten years old. So about eleven years now, I've been into the hobby, um, and I for a long time would play games up to a competitive level and then move on to another game. So rather than having like, multiple factions in case I got bored, I'd just have multiple game systems. So if I got a bit bored of playing Lord of the Rings, I'd go over to 40k, and then I'd go over to Malifaux, and then I'd go over to, say, Blood Bowl. But um, with Marvel, I just can't stop playing the game, man. I absolutely um, adore Marvel. It really gets you, doesn't it? It's one of those ones that lures you in, and then once you're in, there's no going back. Something about it. I mean, I was playing Legion a lot before the lockdown. Um, went to regionals for that. Um, was enjoying it quite a lot, but like I said, only because I'm only 21. Star Wars is a little bit 
it, it's not what I actually grew up on. Whereas Marvel, it is something that I've always been surrounded by. Um, yeah. like all the Netflix adaptations, the comics, all the movies with the MCU really taking off as we go into phase four. So it, it's one of the first game systems where it's actually very relatable in the sense that I, I kind of know what's going on and all the characters and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a good place to be in. You know, they're doing well to release a good variety of them that kind of fits the there's a lot of people that want the 90s cartoon ones and then there's people that are hardcore comics people that are hardcore films people you know yeah. maybe got into it uh, more more recently um i think they've done really well to, to cover most of the bases um the i think at the minute which is great i mean we've got models uh, a mix between sort of the mcu version and the comic version, which is great, and I'm, I don't think there's any that I've seen anyone massively unhappy with. Obviously, everyone's always going to want to change a small detail or change this or that. But other than that, I think they're absolutely smashing out the park over Atomic Mask Games. Absolutely, some some of the sculpts are absolutely fantastic. The latest set of Spider Foes, I've been building and painting them up recently, and they've they're, they're just fantastic, and they just capture what you expect from it. Yeah, exactly. I've just heard that uh, Lizard, apparently, everyone seems to have a problem gluing him to his water. Uh, it took me, I, I must admit, I did have to go on the website and do the 360 uh, picture to make sure I was gluing it in the right place. Um, but he goes on really well if you get him in the right place. Yeah, I mean, if we look at, say, so I recently built a core box for a friend that's just jumped into the game. Um, Iron Man Ultron. Oh my god, they absolutely did my head in. Whereas last night I was lucky enough to get Moon Knight. I built him and he was just a pleasure to put together. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've said to a number of people that I've introduced to the game, don't be put off by the core set models. Because yeah. they're a pain to put together. I still haven't even built Ultron and Doc Ock yet. Because I just keep looking at them going, no, not not bother. Um, yeah. But yeah. In models. I think the only core box model I've even built for myself is Baron Zemo because <laughs> I looked at a lot of the others and just went, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need this kind of stress to build models. Yeah, and some of the early boxes as well, the likes of Shuri, etc., are a bit of a pain to build. But there, there's a noticeable improvement in not just the quality of the sculpts, but the the ability. You know, they've they've really thought them through and how the people are yeah. going, how people are going to put them together and the the modelling aspect of it, which is obviously really helpful. It's making it a lot easier, a lot more accessible for people to just pick up a box and not have to spend you know an entire evening trying to figure out how Iron Man's arm in four pieces goes together or how his hands meant to stick. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So when when you got into MCP, were you getting into it with a view to do tournaments or were you just looking for a, a Friday night beer and pretzels game? What were you looking for when you when you got in? So to be honest, when I get into any game, I tend to play it quite a lot. So um, Simon over at Boarding Broom is actually my son's godfather. Um, the gaming shop is like five minutes from where I live. So I'll get lots of times in. Um, so it was sort of just... Legion had, had almost, not died, but it took a dive with the lockdown because it was just about to really take off and then it was just absolutely stunted when lockdown hit. So there weren't many people playing it, or rather weren't many people looking to play it in the long run anymore. Um, however, Marvel had, had really taken off still. Um, it was, you know, it was becoming really popular because I think the main 
attraction to it is that you don't have to paint the same model more than twice, which is great for a lot of people. I don't paint that much personally, but I 100% agree. It is a lot easier to paint, say, one Wolverine than 30 tactical Marines. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the best things about it. You can experiment on models. You can try different things out. And they don't, as long as I try and keep all the bases to be more or less the same colour scheme. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, you can go knock yourself out on them and then you stick them all together. And for some reason, you put all 10 together and it still looks good. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, the way that the, the heroes almost all come together and even the villains. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So you got into it. You obviously started to enjoy the game. When lockdown finally finished, um, and we we started to get. Did you get any tournaments in when there was there was a period of breaking lockdown around last summer? Did you get any tournaments in then, or were your first tournaments in, in the most recent uh, end of lockdown? During that little sort of gap in the lockdown, I think that's when I had. Maybe one, maybe two events. Um, I think it might have been two actually at, at Boarding Brum. Um, this is obviously pre-long shanks back in the, you know, the dark days where we didn't have the scoring and the ranking system. But, uh, yeah, I got two in then back when there wasn't a, a lot out. I was still running like Ebony more in my roster then. I hadn't even discovered Corvus really. But, um, yeah, I got on all right. I think I went, yeah, I'm pretty sure I went first at one and second at the other, which was good. Both undefeated still, so. Oh, I don't so you so you were already in the competitive mindset and you'd already cracked the game by that point. Yeah, I'd, I already knew what I was doing. I think I'd got a decent amount of reps in. Okay, and and when we were in lockdown, did you try TTS much? How did you get on with that? If you did so try, I, it? I went on TTS once um, for I think it was a season season four. I had a really good experience except for just the one um, game that I had outside of the league. But everyone I played with in the league was great. Um, I got through to like an invitational thing, and um, it was really close. There was a ruling in there that I think really swung the game. Um, I think I ended up placing like seventh or eighth. Okay. So it, it was really good. It was a, a good experience to play on there. I just don't. I mean, no disrespect to the people who've made the TTS mod. It's phenomenal. It's great. It is the best TTS mod. But. I still don't think you can capture everything that you get when you're playing person. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I started, I got one game in before the, the lockdown started again last year. And uh, basically I picked up uh, MCP using TTS and did, I think I did season four and five. Um, and yeah, you then came out of that, came out of that and then played in real life. And it it is very similar, but much better experience playing in real life where possible. Uh, TTS yeah. has its its you know benefits, but um, very uh, much better to play in real life. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, TTS has a lot of benefits. Like, I mean, you've got access to everything. You can play whenever you like. You don't need to book a table. You can play with anyone anywhere in the world. I mean, it's great, but it, it just lacks almost sort of the social contract and interest interaction that you have between players I think yeah and how did you find the difference between playing in the seasons where essentially you get sometimes a couple of days sometimes almost a week to prepare for your match compared to playing in a tournament where quite often the draw goes up and you go right I'm on table two I'm going to go up there 
and you look at your opponent's roster for the first time there and then and you've got to make that decisions there and then as opposed to like say in TTS with the seasons quite often you've got a good two or three days knowing where your opponent's roster is and you can prepare for it yeah I mean it was really interesting so I I'm perfectly fine with knowing what I'm playing like 10 minutes before a game but I can deal with that so I didn't really use the opportunity to check my opponent's rosters that much because I was of the opinion like I'd overthink it a little bit. Um, I ran through like some of what they were taking to a couple of my friends a couple of times, but didn't really think that much about it. Um, I know some of the people I'd played said that they'd got their friends to give them reps against my roster, which was you know an interesting take. Um, but I don't mind either way to be honest. Like if if people wanna playing a league I think it's cool to do that and do it that way I don't know maybe just do it so that you don't find out the roster in the league until the day of the game or something but... yeah I've heard a few people talk about their experiences and saying how much they prepared for it yeah. I think it is I think it's just a different way of playing the game I think you know some people enjoy that um, some people prefer the find out there and then have to think on your feet I think yeah. whilst it is the same game it's definitely a different skill set um, and I think those that unfortunately don't have much time and therefore don't get the chance to get reps in or don't get chance to really think through the rosters until they get to the game, you know, it's a different way of playing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, there's a 100% an advantage to the fact that, I mean, with TTS, you can almost scout your opponent out. You can find out who they've played on there, talk to them. I mean, you can literally, in some cases, spectate the games, talk to people that they've previously played. I mean, when you see the roster, you're able to just play reps into it if you really want to. Yeah. So I think it, it's very different to playing in person because you just sort of know what you're going into already. I mean, when I play in person, it's getting to the point now where a lot of people know what I'm playing already, but it's still not to the level of where I think they'll have prepared and had reps into it if it was the same as on TTS, for example. Yeah, but I think you say people probably are starting to become aware of you and if you're not then if you're in the UK you should be aware of him um, if you go into any tournaments and, and therefore your roster is probably something that people might not get reps in against but they'll at least consider when building rosters yeah. if they know you're at that event they'll be thinking well there's a chance if I want to do well I'm going to come up against your roster so yeah, should get more difficult for you as time goes on yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of um, close games lately. What really caught me off was um, Avengers with Sam, because I hadn't played that many games into it, and it was just obscene to see six models at 17 that were all so good, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or 19, or whatever it was. Um, they've got some serious legs to walk on tournament-wise, I think, and there's definitely something there for them. Yes, I think we're going to see a lot of Sam spam um, in the future. Yeah. So how do you go about constructing a roster? Um, obviously, you know, you, you touched on it there, your roster hasn't changed massively recently, yeah. but how, how do you go about constructing a roster in the first instance? So I actually did make a few changes to my roster a couple of days ago. I, had, I changed three characters out that I'd already had in. But in terms of building a, a roster from scratch, so I, I've got an article called The Core of a Roster. Um, I think... or I'm going to say every faction or affiliation rather you can take three models and you're going to want those three models in every game I mean in the case of Black Order it's not necessarily three models it might be two in Sam Spam it might be four 
But these are the models that are the core of your team. They'll, they'll make sure you're affiliated. That's what you're going to build around. So for more web warriors, it's um, ten threat. And I think if any any team can get to ten threat, that's a really good core. So like midnight suns can also do it. Um, I think Wakandans can as well, because what it then means is you can plan specifically what you need at each threat value. So um, like I know going into a game what I'm going to play at say 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 already. And my roster is built around that rather than just having various pieces to almost make it up on the spot. So that's the main thing for me when building a roster is to be aware of what you need on top of a, a core three characters to make the different threat values, making sure you can play all the different threat values, and most importantly, making sure you're comfortable playing all of them. And and how strictly do you stick to that? Because I, I must admit, when I was doing my roster a while ago, I tried to do that, and then I kept thinking, well, that's not very good into Brotherhood, or that probably isn't what I want at that threat value into you know, Black Order. Do you have a right, at this threat value, I'm going to go with this, and then you look across at what you're playing and maybe make some tweaks, or are you much more like, right, this is the threat value, this is what I'm going with? Yeah, so for me, it's literally a matter of, if we're playing 19, it's Mars, Gwen, Corvus with Reality Gem, Venom and Killmonger, that's it. It's not going to change based on who I play. Um, I don't I don't think there's many matchups at all, really, where I'd change my roster I mean, even when everyone was going, oh, Venom and Carnage are going to be terrible, there's all these energy attacks. I was like, yep, but I'm still going to take Venom in every single game. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, well, at least I haven't for a long time looked across at somebody's roster and then changed mine based on what they might that's interesting to hear because, like I said, I, I kind of got myself into a bit of a pickle because I, I went with that to start with and then I started changing it and then I was like, this is falling to pieces. Um, so I might try it more, stick to what, I'm, what I've yeah, gone with I and see how that goes. Completely and utterly stick to my guns. I've probably had, or I definitely have had at least 400 games now with those three models as my core. Um, I am looking at changing, not changing my core, but having it so my core can change Venom out for Moon Knight or Black Cat. Yeah. Which is a slightly different approach, but I think as the game changes, we need to be aware that we are going to need different approaches inevitably. Not The same thing, you, you can't throw a ball at a square-sized hole and expect it to go through. You're, you've, you've got to adapt eventually, do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. So when you are there and you, you, you pick your roster, so you know what you've got there what else are you doing as in so that's that's your your characters as such what are you looking at for team tactics cards and crisis so in terms of team tactics cards firstly it's quite funny i'd i'd honestly think i'd be pretty happy just taking four tactics cards to a tournament so i almost always run the same five and there's nothing fancy so i haven't got you know, I haven't got all you've got. I don't run a bit of rivals. I don't have no matter the cost. Nothing fancy at all. So the the five I would take, if I could only take five, are simply medpack and brace as more restricted cards. Um, climbing gear, all webbed up and lethal protector. I mean, it, it's very basic, but it gives me the toolbox to do exactly what I need um, and lets me adapt to what I'm playing and the situations that come up. Fair enough. I mean, three of those are wine nearly always take as my five climbing gear brace and med pack uh, they're yeah. all good solid choices yeah climbing gear is great so 
I think really I've stapled those to my list. I mean, obviously I've got eight tactics cards because you need eight tactics cards. How often I'll use the others is a different question. I probably won't flex them in that much. Um, I have usurped the throne, which I, I might take occasionally. Um, if I come against a team where they've not got any throws really, then I'll probably put it in instead of brace just because I might as well. I recently put advanced R&D in and spider tracker. Yep. I'm not a huge fan of spider tracker. Um, but to me, it's just climbing gear a little more restricted. I, I get the bonus of being able to play it reactively. I, I 100% understand that, but I do just prefer climbing gear. Advanced R&D opens up some really interesting players with the web warriors, but I've been playing them for that long that the, the way I play them, I almost get around the power problems anyway. So it's, it's nice to have that, but I don't feel it's needed at the same time. Yeah, I, I played into Spider Trackers for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and uh, as an opponent, it really does cause you a bit of a headache because you, you've got it's one of those things that you've got in the back of your mind, similar to Lethal Protector. It kind of makes you second guess what you're doing. You know, yeah, do well, that, but actually, that could happen, and so it does play on your mind a bit. But I can see why climbing gear gives you that bit more of yeah certainty. The, the time where I take. Spider Tracker is actually the only time I'll probably drop Venom, which is at 14 threat. And the reason I want Spider Tracker there over Lethal Protector is because Moon Knight, Black Cat, and Miles all have stealth. Spider Tracker can actually make you move out of range of being targeted yeah. uh, at all, with, with stealth, which is great. So I had, um, I think it was Sam Wilson moved in range to attack me with his shield so that he could push me hopefully off an objective. So I just used the spider tracker to hop onto the other side. I was still securing it, but now I was outside of stealth range, and Sam had already used his charge. Um, so he couldn't attack me, he couldn't get to me either, which was great. Okay, that's how that makes sense. Um, so then you've, you've got, you know, Crisis have been picked, you, you've got your core, you know what you're playing based on threat value. When you look across the table and you see your opponents pick theirs, and, and you get into that deployment phase. What are you looking for at that point? Um, what's going through your, your mind as you you're sat there looking at what they've got and what they've decided to pick, and before you actually deploy and picking your game plan as such? Um, so I'll try and look. My, my deployment, to be honest, is more based on what the mission is and where my opponent sets up. But for the most part, I'll look at sort of reach that they have with their characters um, who they're going to be trying to use to pick their objectives up and most importantly the amount of power generation they have innately so whether they've got any characters that get two power return or, or just all one power return because I think that's that's one of the biggest things in the game that gets overlooked at times is just how impactful having two power turn one can be yes uh, having played Asgard for a while um, when I stopped playing Asgard and went to just the, the one power per turn, it was very like, oh, <laughs> I can't do everything I want to do now, first turn. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it, it's a huge bonus to have. I mean, it's why the X-Men get such use out of first class, because it, it sort of gives them access to that extra power turn one in terms of the interact. Yes, absolutely. Um so do you ever feel that you need to protect Venom in, in that sense from, from somebody who's particularly good at energy attacks? Or, or again, is it just, right, I've got what I've got. This is what I want to do on the the, the crisis selection. So, I think most of the time, 
Um, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've, I've, I've had to look Hoyd Venom away. I think most games he starts very central to the board. And in a situation where I've got someone that's going to try and ping Venom from range with energy, what I'll actually do is save the power from, um, save some power on Gwen. Um, and use lifesaver backwards. So I, I basically, when he's targeted, use it to pull him towards them so that hopefully he can counterattack. I mean, it's a bit risky. I've had a couple of situations where, you know, it goes to plan for them, the days of Venom, I'm left with one character down. But then I also have the, the, the big swing and power next turn with Venom with all his power. So I don't worry too much about the idea that Venom can go down to energy. I think if you overthink it and let that dictate where you place your model too much, you're, you're giving the opponent the bigger advantage than just sitting there and going, yeah, I've got two dollars, but let's take it. You know, I've got a re-roll. Occasionally, you can get cover. Obviously, he's a bigger model, but lifesaver, the re-roll, make it so I don't feel that energy defense is actually too bad. Two dollars is low, but when you consider that the average is only three anyway, it's not catastrophic. Yes. Yeah, no, I think people get hung up a little bit too much on the defense dice yeah, differences. Um, especially the way I roll defense dice, I kind of fail whether I'm rolling four or two dice, it doesn't make any yeah. difference. <laughs> it's a big thing, but you can also do it in reverse. So if they've got a model with a high energy attack, you can use Venom to bite out where they put it. So rather than you worrying about acting reactively to them, you can act preemptively, place your Venom, and then odds are they're going to put their say, Cyclops or Storm across from you, thinking, oh, great, energy attacks. And that can play into what you want as well. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned you, you played a vast number of games so far. Uh, how much do you rely on theory crafting, and how much do you rely on playing games for for when you're trying to work out what to do? So, what do you mean, Sora? So, you do you spend a lot of time with theory crafting around your roster and around plans for games, or do you base it more on your experience having done it on the tabletop? Um, so, I think just because of the shit you're out on games. I get in. I, I do theorycraft a little bit, not a lot, but then I'd put it into practice. So it, it's like um, a couple of days ago, I decided I wanted Black Cat and Toad in my roster just to try them out. And then last night, I tried them both out in two games. I mean, honestly, I can get maybe 10 games in a week, most weeks. So I'd, I'd say from in person, it's from actual experience. Whether that's off the back of theory crafting, though, I don't. I'm not sure whether you'd say that, but um, yeah, I like to play out and practice everything out because it's all well and good thinking something out, but the reality is always a little bit different. Fair enough. And when you see the new releases from uh, AMG, are your first thoughts to look at those cards and, and really kind of dig into them and see how they're going to affect you, or are you again more of a Oh, skip through it, that looks interesting, let's see what it's like on the table, let's not worry about it until I actually come to face it. Um, I will, to be honest, look through all the cards properly when I get a chance. Sometimes I miss cards and then I end up just having to learn on the fly. Um, like when I played Chris in the last tournament in the final, I had no idea really what War Machine or Sam did going into it and just sort of played it on the fly. Um, I'm cool with doing that, to be honest, but I do try and read everything, keep on top of everything, look how maybe they can fit into Web Warriors, but I'm that comfortable with my roster, and I don't 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there's always something better or different, or it, it can do something in a slightly different way. But my roster, I'm perfectly happy with as it was before. I'm perfectly happy with how it is now. I'll, I'll consider new things when they come out, and I'll consider the impact they might have on me. And I know recently someone said, oh, how, how are you going to cope with all these mystic attacks? Um, and I was like, I, I don't understand what you mean because all I lose is one spider sense on miles and, you know, I'm not that bothered about that. That make, again, makes sense. Um, have you got any other tips, generic tips for tournament goers? Um, anything else we haven't particularly covered that you think is important going into a tournament for somebody who perhaps maybe either hasn't done one before or who is looking to improve their, their standings in tournaments? Um, I think the most important thing is just, I know it sounds silly, but I think you ha- in order to do well, you have to think confidently. So I, I think if you go in and you start losing a game and you drop your spirits, odds are you've lost the game because you've dropped your spirits. You've just got to carry on, see it all through, um, and, and don't let anyone tell you that you're doing something wrong. So for quite a while on some, some Discord, with um, some accounts that aren't labelled as Web Warrior Protocols, um, friends of mine have been like, oh, actually, I know someone who plays Web Warriors this way, and they do really well. And they've been told that they're wrong, and that like, that's not how you play Web Warriors. And I'm sat here like, I mean, yeah, sure, you, you, you can have your opinion, but I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm sitting in a nice place with my Web Warriors. You can tell me that's not how you should play them, but... You know, they speak for themselves. So I think just be confident in what you want to do. Go in with a plan. You know, don't let other people tell you how you should play your game. Um, And play for yourself and be confident. No, absolutely. I think the the joys of the internet is everybody has an opinion. Um, And and I think one of the joys about this game as well is that, you know, there, there are some clearly better ways of doing things. But on its day most things can beat most things and as you say if you've got a plan and you're confident with it then sticking to that makes much more sense than constantly yeah. trying to chop and change yeah 100% so if we move across onto web warriors now so what initially attracted you to web warriors was it uh, a love of spider-man like a lot of people or had you tried out a number of different affiliations and they just fitted your play style so I hadn't tried any I'd not played marvel um, and I went straight to Web Warriors purely because of Venom. So when I saw Venom, I was like, I want this. I, I need that Venom model. I, I need to be able to, you know, throw Venom down, have Eddie Brock, you know, smashing the place up, going about. I, I love his character. I, I love the recent movie. Um, more recently, the King in Black series is phenomenal. So that's uh, sort of the latest story arc for Venom and Eddie Brock um, in terms of the comics. Yep. So that's really what drew me in, just um, Venom. And I like Miles as a character. Miles is pretty cool. Um, Spider-Man overall, yeah. I'm not that... It's not... I don't think I'm as much of a like Spider-Man fanboy as some Web Warrior players. It's definitely more about Venom for me. But I do love all of the webheads. I mean, Ghost Spider's amazing. She's really cool. Um, I do like Miles like, a lot, to be honest, in his character and sort of the different ab- abilities that he has. Um, and there's just a lot to them. Like they're all the same but different in a way, which is really interesting. Yeah, it feels like they synergize quite well as a core. Um, I suppose your your other option was you could have gone Spider Foes if you wanted Venom, 
But uh, yeah, I think you went for the right way, especially in the early days. I think back then as well. Um, so I think Miles and Gwen had not long dropped, and there wasn't really any spider files. Um, I also really, really dislike Green Goblin. I don't know <laughs> if that's like a natural web warrior inside of me telling me that you know he's the enemy or what. I, I just don't like him. I'm not a fan of him. So um, whereas with say the web warriors, I like all the models. I'll play them. Um, I, I don't really agree with playing models that you don't like. So Modok, for example, is an incredible character. I think he's incredible in Web Warriors, but if I was asked to take him, I'd be like, no, because I think he's ugly as sin. <laughs> like, I hate the model. <laughs> Same as... Um, th- there's a couple of models that are, are really good, and it's just for me, like, I don't like the models, so I'm not going to play them, regardless of how good they are. Fair enough. That seems, it seems to have worked so far for you. Yeah, I mean, it's working out, yeah. yeah. And, and so was that call that you talked about earlier, was that something you settled on quite early? Or, or did it yeah. take a bit of practice to get to that point? Well, I think it was really early on. Um, because, like I said, all you, all, I, I, I don't know if the best way to explain it is weaponised autism, but I'm, I like things a very set way. So having a, a permanent core like, works for me. So from the very start, it was sort of like, that's what I'm going to take uh, every game. That way I know it. I don't have to like, mess around. I know I've got that let's work from there so uh, from very early on I um, was playing with that affiliated core I don't think I've ever really changed it I've maybe had about four games without Venom just to try other things but that's about it okay Um, and you mentioned before about how your friends were being told that's not the way to play Web Warriors How, how would you say that the way in which you approach Web Warriors is different to perhaps the the norm so I think just to start on the second point you made about well the second comment the norm as such I think a lot of people look at web warriors and go oh they don't want to be in a fight they want to sort of kite and skirt and uh, do shenanigans so I on the other hand I definitely want to be doing that but I also think that you can make an insanely aggressive web warriors team just with the core three just with Miles Gwen and Venom um, they've all got, look, uh, Miles and Gwen both have ways to add additional dolls to the dice balls. Venom already has a very respectable pair of attacks with decent ranges, with some decent effects. Obviously, the heal's amazing. When you combine that with all webbed up, you can set up for one turn where the web warriors just go on, on the offensive. They just go crazy. I mean, Gwen is my favourite example of this. So, um, if she's, if she's got free power, for example, you can, and she's in the right spot. Your first action can be a freestyle beatdown. If it's the all webbed up turn, that's an eight dice attack with a throw. Um, and then your second action can do a spider technique. So that goes from just being a four dice base to a six dice because of all webbed up and then a nine dice because of the extra free attack dice. So suddenly this, this ghost spider that no one really expects it from that's just, you know, pulling people around and pulling people to safety is actually beating the hell out of someone, you know, um, and I think they can really flex into that really well. Yeah. And so do you, do you feel your playstyle is a lot more aggressive than perhaps others tend to use Web Warriors? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say my playstyle is more aggressive. I'd say it has the option to be and can be in the sense that like, I've still had games where I, I have barely any attacks 
And there's nothing more confusing for the opponent than when Corvus doesn't attack at all, really, and just sort of walks around holding an objective. That really catches people off. So I, I have some games where I play the more traditional sense, using some of the more aggressive ways in sort of a, a, a different way. And then I have games where I do go in and try and set up for that one big swing turn and, you know, play really aggressively. Okay, so you've, you've got that option then, so you've got the yeah. choices there. I'm definitely not limited in any way to either um, at all. And the great thing is, um, my teams as well, I can swap mid-game from going on the offensive to going into control or going from control into being extremely aggressive, which is what I like the most about the Web Warriors, that no one can really know what my game plan is because I can just swap it out at any moment, and that's what catches people off. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful. You, You know, you look at the top players... And, and it's that ability to be able to pivot. Yeah, when... it's almost like um, in boxing terms, when you have a southpaw, so the fact that you can swap from one to the other, whereas most people are limited to one, it opens up a real vast new um, range of possibilities and it can really catch someone off guard. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the, the big bad that is Corvus. Um, <laughs> how, how did you end up having Corvus in your uh, roster? So, like I said, I figured out that my core needed a five to do um, certain threat missions and be affiliated, and just to do, I think, 19 threat being affiliated. So, I originally had... I think I had four, but then I realised I really dislike four in terms of gameplay. Um, then I went over to Ebony Moore, because Ebony Moore just seemed... I like Ebony Moore as a character. I like the entirety of the Black Order, but Ebony Moore at first was the, the you know the one that shouted to me that was sort of like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, I played him in an event, went um, four and zero with Ebony Moore, and in one of the games came against Corvus with Reality Gem and sort of had a couple of turns where it was a little bit ropey, where Corvus was just going crazy, and I managed to play around it. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to um, try him out as a five threat. Someone pointed out that he's not actually a five threat and that needed the gem. But at that point, I was only using like seven or eight of my roster slots anyway. So I was like, that's fine. Uh, let's have a go. And I think Corvus really leans into both the aggressive style of play and the control aspect of Web Warriors. Um, and what I mean by that is, obviously, Corvus doesn't have any pulls, pushes, throws, nothing like that. But you can really dictate and control the board just with where he stood. Um, Death Blow's a great attack for repositioning. I mean, a lot of people don't use it. I like Atom Splitter when needs be, and he can just really dictate the board. Yeah, it was a real surprise when I saw um, that you were running Corvus within Web Warriors, because I kind of looked at it and went, well, okay, not seen that before. But everyone wants to um, say, everyone, a lot lot of people look at Web Warriors roster and they're very confused, and um, I think that plays into the roster a bit, the fact that it, it at times catches people off guard. Uh, like I said, again, it can just... It can appear to be wanting to do one thing and just completely switch it up. Yeah. So do, do you run him at other threat values other than 19? You mentioned you, you put him in the 19. Have you found that... Yeah. So, um, at 18 threat, he makes an appearance with Proxima because it's um, obviously a really powerful combination. Being able to control... Um, the priority proximate is incredible in the web warriors she has you know invulnerability and martial prowess so her, her defensive ability is already really high um 
I was running him a long time for a long time at 15, so I'd take Miles Gwen, Corvus, Reality, and Venom. Now I'm looking at possible other builds going five wide at the lower threat values. Um, it's it's just a matter of trying them out because, like I said, Moon Knight I've only recently got him along with uh, Toad, who is actually the first time I've run a two threat character. But at 19 and 18, Corvus is definitely making an appearance, um, as well as at 20. Fair enough. Um, so how do you find playing the same affiliation over and over given there are so many other options out there in the game how, how have you managed to stay focused on just um, to be fair it's a, it, this is one of the things a lot of people ask and a lot, you're not bored of web warriors and if I'm being honest I'm not at all in the slightest I could carry on playing web warriors indefinitely and I don't think I'd have a problem with it I, I, I don't know if it's just me if it's different people different things I just don't I, I tend to enjoy having something that I know how to play and, you know, that I know what I'm doing with. And that's just how I've enjoyed the game. Whereas my friend Elliot, for example, he likes changing, you know, a lot day in, day out. He'll be trying different things. And I mean, that's that's on him. That's how he wants to play. And I think we all have different things we do when playing and enjoy doing. Fair enough. Um, I did mention I was talking to you on, on our uh WhatsApp chat the other day and I got a couple of questions um, and one of them I thought was quite interesting so what two characters would you choose if you were forced to drop Proxima and Corvus for example at a team event so if you're going to a team event and you know yeah. there's Black Order guy and they, they want that and you're like right fine what else outside of those ones would kind of attract you at the moment uh, um, so in terms of a foy threat and a free threat I'd probably be looking at Scarlet Witch and Iron Fist, maybe. I mean, they're both really powerful, independent characters. Yeah. I had Scarlet Witch more often for a long time. Anyway, she's great. Um, don't get me wrong. But yeah, Scarlet Witch and Iron Fist are the first two that come to mind. Um, for free threats, I like Punisher as well. To be honest, I know not a lot of people run him, but I actually think he's uh, really good. Um, okay. Other five threats, Angela. Again, she she works with what I want to do quite nicely. So I think in answer to that question, if I had to drop Corvus, I'd, I'd be replacing him with Angela or Scarlet Witch. If I had to drop Proxima, I'd be replacing her with Iron Fist or possibly even the Punisher. Makes sense. Um, and what advice have you got for any Web Warrior players out there who either just picking it up or, or maybe looking at it and trying to turn them? fix the way they go is it just about giving yourself that dynamism of being you know that option between the two or is there anything else that you you know the core to, to web warriors um, I think the most important thing that a lot of web warrior players might not pick up on immediately is you have to realise you have look, so a lot of people bang on Venom's very slow but if he was any faster he'd be utterly broken you have such a long reach with Venom and Gwen's life uh, not life server, sorry, webline and web snare. It's a range four pull. Venom's arguably got the best pull in the game because it's range four, doesn't need line of sight and is medium. So I think just just look at the board and, and really try and scope out how far your reach actually is. You can have Venom doing attacks turn one, which, you know, a, a, a small move, not many people would think that. You've, ju- you've just got to really lean into the potential shenanigans almost and the movement that the web warriors have access to. Excellent. Uh, good advice. I've not managed to 
play Web Warriors yet. Played against them a number of times, but not actually run yeah. them myself. So hopefully that's good for for those that are out there that are either thinking of picking it up or currently I, running. I think the other thing is as well, every attack for Mars Gwen and Venom at least, every attack on the card has its use and is very useful. So Impact Webbing's an amazing attack to get one power, just to do a web lawn, for example. Um, freestyle Beatdown has the throw to move someone off. Um, spider Technique, the free advance off, it's great. You can almost look at it as if you're going to move anyway. You might as well roll the four dice and take it. It's almost a free attack. If we look at Miles, the Web Swing and Venom Blast are both phenomenal attacks. Uh, web Lawn obviously boosts him up to six dice. The throw is incredible. Venom Blast, arguably the best attacking my roster outside just because it's automatically making the opponent drop all of their uh, tokens and then again with Venom a lot of time you'll get hit and your immediate instinct will be to do you know we are Venom to try and heal but sometimes it's worth just doing the strike just so you don't give them too much power but you give them the bleed which is also great so I think it's important to make sure you use the entirety of, of your cards and don't focus too much on say we are Venom every turn or or just web swinging every turn with web kicks and miles. You need to use what you have available to you. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why we take these character cards for everything that's on them. So we might as well use everything that's on them. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I mean, one of the things I'm starting to do more in my games is thinking, trying to focus on why am I doing what I'm doing and is there a better option on the card? You know, I think you do get it's easy to get caught into right this is what this character does best and that's what they're going to keep doing but actually stopping and thinking is that the right thing in this situation yeah um, quickly fall into familiarity so you can quickly fall into the pattern of you know every turn with say Valkyrie I need to move throw and attack someone but it's always important to remember you can just as easily move uh, not move, sorry, you could just basically say charge and then attack again. You know, you could move, move and then throw. You could move and then charge. There's so many different combinations of all the things and when you've got great character cards like Mars, Wen and Venom, the, the the different amount of things you can do, it's just important to know what you can capable of. Absolutely. So, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you uh, about on this episode was around your new website. I say new, it's been gone for a, a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? Um, but it's You've been pumping out the articles. Yeah, so it's, it was a month old a couple of days ago. Um, obviously, I named it Web Warrior Protocols for obvious reasons. Um, it's the only affiliation I play. I toyed with some other ideas. So at one point, I was thinking of starting a podcast with a few people, and we were looking at calling it the Miniverse of Madness. Um, then I was looking at calling it Lethal Protector, but I thought that was a bit too edgy. So in the end, I went with... Uh, <laughs> Web Warrior Protocols. The, the only other one I was looking at was the 14th Legion, which for a long time has been my Instagram tag for both doing commissions and for wargaming. But I think making the change to Web Warrior Protocols, you know, it's very quickly identifiable. It's very... Pe- people know what that is and who it is. It's like Xavier Protocols. Everyone knows who that is. Um, and I think Web Warrior Protocols is a bit more iconic and identifiable rather than, say the 14th Legion or Lethal Protector, which is uh, cool. Like you said, I've been trying to smash out content. I almost feel bad if I, I don't do a good article on a day. So I, I feel like today, for example, I've put up the post about uh, updates and sales, which is great. 
But part of me is like, oh, I should really be doing a character breakdown or something, which there's plenty of time to do that. You know, I can keep pumping them out. It's been really helpful to have some feature articles um, from different people. So a lot of people at my local gaming store, my sponsor boarding room, um, have put forward some stuff that they want to post up, which has been great. It eases pressure a little bit. I actually started college today. So, um, you know, a little bit more time intensive means I might have a little less time for the articles, but I'm still going to try and smash them out. I'm uh, looking to feature on as many podcasts as possible. Um, House Party Protocols, I'm now on there once a month. Uh, I was going to ask you, actually, if I could maybe make a regular feature on uh, Tales of Crisis on your thing. Um, I'll be coming on to Morlocks as well soon. Um, and tomorrow I'm on a YouTube channel. So this week's been really busy for uh, content creating because I did House Party Protocols yesterday. I'm doing this podcast today and then I'm doing a YouTube video tomorrow. But it's it's great. It's what I enjoy. So, you know, I can never complain that there's too much of it because it, it's what I want to be doing anyway. Fair enough. So if people want to see it, it's webwarriorprotocols.com? Yeah, it's webwarriorprotocols.com. Um, not and simple. Excellent. And what kind of things are you covering on there? Like you mentioned character breakdowns. Uh, I've seen you do some kind of tournament coverage as well. Um, sorry to cut you off, um, but um, because I'm posting so frequently, I'm covering quite a lot of things. So I think if I was only posting, say, once a week, I'd have to, you know, pick a category and sort of stick to it. But at the minute, posting daily means I can just cover loads of different topics every week. So I'm covering roster building, um, new character breakdowns, character breakdowns of previous characters. That's all. Um, my my plan is to do an article for every single character in the game. Um, I plan to do some crisis card articles at some point. Uh, I like doing more series of articles called the next event. So it's just um, you know, a little bit of preempt towards whatever event I'm going to next. You know what people who are going with me are taking I like to do my event write-ups as well um, just loads of different things to be honest and if anyone ever has anything that they'd like to see I'm also more than open to suggestions I just the only thing I don't want to do is sort of become um, like a statistics blog I don't want to have a blog uh, or a website rather that you go on to and it's just full of like numbers and charts I mean as helpful as that is it's already out there so I don't need to be doing that no, that makes sense. And as you say, there are there are others out there that are covering those things. So it's good. It's been it's been great because it kind of keeps popping up, and I've been sharing them on Twitter and, and all over the place. Um, yeah, I really appreciate. It, obviously, I mean, at the minute, it's um completely like there's there's no profit being made. It's not monetized in any way. It's completely free to view. That's how I want it to stay. I don't want to ever put anything behind a paywall. Um, you know. So it's great to see when people share it because it really helps get that exposure and move it along. You know, I don't expect people to share it. I don't expect anyone to feel obliged to post it up. But when they do, it's really great. And it shows appreciation, which is the main thing. Oh, it's definitely worth checking out. So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for anybody that wants that. But, yeah, I would highly recommend go check it out read a couple of those articles um, and as you mentioned you've got some guest ones on there and I enjoyed one of the, the guest ones the other day uh, that was just, just something a little bit different um, so it's good to see the growth there I, I do like a, a good blog that 
you can kind of pop in or a good set of articles you can pop in for a couple of minutes read and then oh, okay that's yeah. interesting and then you can always go back to it afterwards um the great thing is because obviously it's a um a blog a blog slash website as it grows it's it's almost like a library so when a library first opens and it only has a few books you can only read those books so many times but you know posting every day means very rapidly the amount of content's growing you can you can go on the site now and you know spend a good couple of hours i think read if you if you want to you don't have to obviously but if you want to read in all the different articles um as time goes on you know there's going to be more you're going to be able to read faction specific things um it's going to be great i, I just enjoy doing it yeah and, and it's that good thing about either you can drip feed yourself of it and you know every day read the article or you can go yeah. and binge it you know it's it's almost like having netflix isn't it where all of a sudden yeah. you go and binge a, a box set of something you can go and binge a load of articles if you want to or you can just pick them up as they go yeah definitely and i mean i'm trying to go to as many events as possible as, as well which means you people can constantly see you know the different things being played the different things i'm trying or taking and it's just um an enjoyable experience yeah, absolutely. And how are you finding the tournament scene for MCP, uh, obviously in the UK? It's um, so it's super, super healthy. I mean, a lot, and I'm, I genuinely mean this. A lot of games have super toxic communities. You know, I've had um, so I'm a person of colour myself, so I've had some games against certain opponents where that's very clearly almost an issue. Had some games where you know we've you know, people cheating, people not being very nice to play against. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had one game where someone told me to cheat myself, and I was like, if you want to win that bad, go ahead, crack on. But with the Marvel log, especially, like, the higher-up... So I don't... I've obviously played in a lot of uh, finals. I've been to seven events, I've been on top tables every game. And I don't come across toxic players, so... That's great for me. It means, you know, you can if you can have such a, a positive experience at the high end of it, it just shows to me that it's going to be a really consistent, enjoyable experience for everyone, which is the main thing. Because there's nothing worse than going to a tournament and leaving with a sour taste in your mouth purely based off of player experience. Absolutely. And, and I, I think, but similar to yourself, I, I've had some very negative games on, on other game systems and, and it's yeah. never a great experience normally they are yeah, rarer it, it, but it's still it, it's not it's not it, what you want um and i've only done sorry go it doesn't happen often yeah but when it, does, it can really ruin almost it can almost ruin a game system for you if you have a really bad experience which is a shame obviously but you know a lot of people say don't let others dictate to you what you play or what you do but it's gone out to some extent. You have a bad experience, you're not going to, you know, want to revisit that. And luckily, like I said, I've not had a bad experience with Marvel. Um, I've had a couple of opponents be a little bit salty in the early rounds of the tournaments recently. So sort of like they've drawn against me and gone, oh, I'm really hoping not to play you. But then as we've played, it's become a really enjoyable experience. It's become something like more of a laugh. And then in the end, it's actually turned out to be fine. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that, because um, I've done multiple tournaments of, of other systems over the years, and yeah. you, you do get often people will say something at the very start of a game and, and not mean it, 
it, you know, they'll, they'll say it and you'll be like, oh, it's going to be like that. And then as it goes in, it's actually yeah. quite enjoyable. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you turn up. I remember when I ran Zinch when I was doing AOS, you, you put oh, Zinch okay. down and go, oh, I'm not playing Zinch. Yeah, my friend runs Zinch, so I get that completely. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because of other negative experiences, but as Web Warrior Protocols has become a bit better known, people draw me in and they'll sort of be like, oh, I, I really didn't want to play you. And I think it may be that it might be because, you know, they've got an expectation. I mean, obviously, oh, it's fine for me to say this. People can have their opinions. I think I'm a, a pretty decent person to play against. I try and have a laugh. You know, I don't try and be... I'm not that guy. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you've put your model down. You can't go back. No, I'm pretty leading with it, pretty loose with it. Like, I think some people maybe expect that when they play someone who's classed as a tournament player that it's going to be a negative play experience. I just want it to be as engaging as fun for both of us, regardless of the outcome of the game. Yeah, and I think there's probably two parts to that, isn't there? There's one, that, that element of, oh, he's a tournament player, this is going to be unenjoyable because he's and i think all systems have that view of tournaments in general and tournament players yeah. these horrible people that just yeah. have a single way of playing and it, it's just not true at all yeah but you know these tournament players are these these horrible horrible people that don't care about the lore or the fluff they're just there to you know try and smash everyone it's really not the case at all no, not at all. And I think also you probably, as you're, you, you become more known and you, you win more tournaments, that does be the other side of it where people will be like, oh, I didn't want to draw you this early because that's probably going to knock me out of contention. Yeah. Um, so um, I think there's a guy, David Grant. Um, he, he jests, obviously, but we've, we've both shown at three events and he's played me at all three. And he's ended up going three and one at each event because he's beat everyone else but me. So it's sort of, I keep taking away his chance to uh, yeah. place. I mean, it, he, he laughs about it. He, he's a decent guy, which is the main thing. Um, I know Quinn as well, Quinn Duggan, um, jives about it. We played in the one event. He was playing a, a more like, casual roster at that time. But then he was also saying at the next one that he really didn't want to play him in the final, which, I mean, it, it's part of the game. We've all got to play each other inevitably. Um, especially if we do more and more events. So I'm happy to play anyone. I mean, people might not be happy to play me, but it is what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's it's good to challenge yourself against the players that are doing yeah. doing the best. So to take it as a positive. People always learn a lot. I mean, I don't want to sound stupid, like stupidly cocky or anything, but there, there tends to be a reason people are you know, seen as good at a game. And if, if someone is good at something, the best thing you can probably do is learn from them. I mean, it's a lot, if you, if you went to play football against a professional football, football player and just went in going, oh, it's going to be really boring that I'm just going to lose. We could on the other hand go in, oh, this is going to be really exciting. I could learn a lot. And I think that's the main thing. Absolutely. You do tend to learn more against the better players. Um, yeah. Especially, and again, it's around the attitude. Yes, you could get that player that is clearly better than you and just turns up, plays the game, hardly speaks to you, and walks off. Those ones yeah. totally get not great. But if you've got against somebody who is a better player, but they're engaging and talking to you, and you know, you can learn so much from that experience. Yeah, well, this is it. And I've got to say, so my um, my partner Kelly comes with me to some events. Um, she ends up becoming the designated driver blesser. 
and we always have quote like engaging times with our opponents have quite a laugh you know it's it's quite chilled rather than just you know sitting back and you know me rolling dice she sits there like we we always get engaged and speak to people that's the main thing and and that's the best way to build the community yeah definitely and and and, as you say it is it is a growing community at the moment i think you're very well placed down in birmingham and the midlands etc there there seems to be a real hub derby nottingham birmingham we've really started to um to grow it in the in my local area so we had an event that was 48 players which i believe was the biggest one we've had so far obviously uh we're going to have the one in element yep at the end of october that's 64 people it's going to be a bigger event it's going to be great because i mean the game can only get bigger and better which is the main thing i think a lot of people were worried with another game that comes out with a huge ip because sometimes as we've seen in the past that can cause problems but Crisis Protocol just seems to be going from strength to strength, which is just great. It's um, a brilliant experience, a brilliant game. Um, if I could just say one thing to anyone that hasn't picked up the game, it's you you won't be able to put it down once you have, so make sure you're prepared for that. It's so good. That, like, once you're in, you're in for good, do you know what I mean? Yes, very, very addictive, I've got, I've got to admit. It's, right. um, just quickly, sorry, I know we're probably pressed for time. I think it's similar to when you play a card game and you know, and it's like, oh, I just want to open one more pack. It's like, oh, I just want one more character pack. So I think that applies a lot, which is quite interesting. Yes, I don't, I don't think I've ever got to the point where I've been had enough character packs. There's, there's always another one that you want. There's yeah, I'm quite lucky. I only have, um, I only have about 17, 18 models to be honest. Um, I've, I've been able to like refrain from buying them all, whereas. My friend got into the game about a month and a half ago and has now spent like a grand buying everything. Yep, yep. For those Bonk. those that are panicking, you don't need to. As, as you say, you you can do it your way. You've you've done it quite successfully oh, yeah, exactly. on a minimal amount. When, when people ask me if you need to buy a lot of stupid things. I always say, well, I've managed to get quite high up, you know, do really well at tournaments, and I only own a few packs. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've bought some packs for cards and sold the characters. But you tend to make your money back anyway, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for coming on. If people want to reach out to you other than via uh, Web Warrior Protocols, are you on the Discords and social medias? Yeah, so um, all the links to these are on my site, but if not, I think um, on Discord, I am uh, Web Warrior Protocols, hash, and then my number's 1084, I think. Um, on Twitter, it's Web Warrior Protocols. Instagram is still the 14th underscore legion, um, as I mentioned earlier on. Um, I am on Facebook. You'll find me in most of the groups. You'll, you'll probably find me posting or sharing things because, like we've discussed, I post daily, which means I, I'm constantly sharing things. And I just really want to say, if anyone wants to reach out and talk Marvel, please do, because I'll talk Marvel to anyone at any time about anything to do with it. Like, that's the main thing. I just really enjoy talking about the game in general. Like, as you can probably tell, I could keep you here all day talking about Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to have people like yourself in the community that have got that um, enthusiasm for it. And even yeah. having played that many games with a single affiliation, yeah. it's still got that buzz. Yeah, 100%. It's great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I'll stick those details in the show notes so everybody can see where to get hold of you, and hopefully you'll get flooded with lots of people wanting to talk about MCP. 
Yeah, hopefully. Um, the only other thing is, like I said, um, if I just quickly mention my sponsor, I uh, did say at the start, it's a uh, boarding room, which is the West Midlands Gaming Centre. Um, we've recent, they've recently launched a little bit of a sale on some Marvel stuff, which you can check out on my site. I won't bore you with all the details now, but if you're looking to pick some boxes up, there's some decent deals there that you can have a look into as well. So, um, yeah, just thanks for letting me put that in there as well. No problem. There you go. Okay. Well, um, thank you very much. Indeed. Thank you for having me.